Welcome to Online Chapel at Washita, where seating is not a sign and attendance will not be taken. And now would you give a warm Washita welcome to our host, James Taylor. On this week's episode of the Chapel Podcast, we're reaching back to 2014 to a talk given by Dr. Danny Hayes sharing a biblical perspective on sarcasm. This was originally part of our annual Christian Focus Week, but the topic continues to be a relevant one. Dr. Hayes serves as the dean of the Pruitt School of Christian Studies here at Washita. He has authored many books, including The Temple and the Tabernacle on God's Dwelling Places in Scripture, and From Every People and Nation, A Biblical Theology on Race. He's also co-authored a number of books with colleague Scott Duvall, including God's Relational Presence and Grasping God's Word. To find out more about Washita or the Pruitt School of Christian Studies, you can visit obu.edu. At the end of the message, we've left in a brief Q&A between students and Dr. Hayes. The audio quality doesn't allow for you to hear all the questions as they're asked, but we thought it was worth keeping in. And now, here's Dr. Danny Hayes sharing a biblical perspective on sarcasm. Yeah, uh, boy, I was kind of been, I guess, surprised and not surprised to see the, the interest on this topic, okay, sarcasm. And uh, certainly, I think it, uh, uh, the planners, the organizers, when you guys came up with this, you kind of, you, you hit a nerve here, you know, where everybody uh, sees the need for it. So uh, anyway, I appreciate the opportunity to come and to, to have this discussion. Uh, it's, uh, it is uh, something I think about, so it's not like it's just new, you know, new to me. I was uh, talking with Tracy earlier this afternoon. She said, oh, well, I sent the new. We, you know, we're making out the fall schedules. She said, oh, I've sent the, you know, we developed it. She said, I sent the fall schedule out to next fall's graduates. You know, I haven't heard back from them. And I said, oh, well, we won't hear back from them until about two weeks after the time when we can change the schedule. And so it's just one of these little sarcastic, you know, things that you say. I don't know if students are faculty or worse about, you know, the sarcastic kind of stuff. But it is a pretty common, uh, pretty common thing, and I think it is also a pretty dangerous thing, problematic thing. That's why I think you guys are here. You recognize that. A couple of things. Let's look at the definitions. Interesting term. Uh, it comes from the Greek word sarkazo. It's not actually in the New Testament or in the Septuagint, but it is used in classical Greek. It comes from the word sarks, you Greek guys, okay? And it really means to tear the flesh off, to rip the flesh off. Uh, it's used of, of dogs. It's used of uh, horses pulling grass out, too. I mean, just to rip and pull this kind of stuff. And then in classical Greece from there, it came really to mean to, to sneer at something and to mock with the kind of the figurative idea of this destructive tearing kind of thing. So from the beginning, the basic root of the word even has this pretty negative concept. It's a little different to, uh, difficult to define it. People have kind of different uh, definitions. I looked up several, and it also seems to be a little different whether you're using it in a literary context or whether you're using it in a popular context. I found some little different definitions. Uh, if you look at Webster's definition, <clears throat> a cruelly humorous statement or remark made with the intention of injuring the self-respect of the person to whom it's addressed usually by drawing attention to one of his weaknesses and often associated with irony. Irony being where you're kind of saying the opposite of what you mean. 
Uh, and I think that gets a lot of it, but I don't know that it always has to be cruel. I mean, I don't know that that's, I don't, I don't see that as, as a requirement, that it always has to be that way. Uh, and so I felt like that's, that was a little too restrictive of a definition. Uh, here's another one that I found, and then I modified it a little. Uh, the use of words that mean the opposite of what you really mean to say. That's the irony uh, definition. Two, with a couple of different things. One, insult or belittle someone. So you use sarcasm to put somebody down. To show irritation. And I think sometimes we, again, we, uh, we use it then. Uh, three, to be funny. Uh, it is a humorous uh, figure of speech, okay? Sarcasm can be, can be funny. Sometimes that's why we use it. Or number four, a combination of the two. You want to insult somebody and be funny. You know, or you want to uh, show your irritation and also put somebody down, a combination of those. In literature, it's a little more specific if you're using it in a, in, a, in a literary sense, because then it usually is firmly placed within the category of irony. And irony being that you, you know, express the opposite of what you're trying to say. You know, that's really great. You know, you failed that test. That's really smart. You're really smart, you know, you got a 38 on that exam. <laughs> what a smart kid you are. You know, it's that kind of stuff. So you're, you know, you're saying the exact opposite of what you mean. That's the, that's the sarcasm. Uh, and uh, so in that sense, uh, it's, you know, it's related to satire. It's related to exaggeration. Or it's related to hyperbole, uh, these kinds of things. It isn't exaggerated. But in the popular sense, if you look, sometimes it's, it, it doesn't have to be the opposite. We'll call sarcasm just this exaggerated belittling of somebody, whether it's the inverse or not. Uh, sometimes uh, we'll see it that way. Uh, and anyway, so some other interesting things. I mean, sometimes it's just used to underscore the ridiculousness of a situation. You know, sometimes the whole situation just looks so bad that, you, that sarcasm seems to be one of the best ways to describe that. Uh, some other interesting terms that I didn't know is you can, if you use sarcasm a lot and you're good at it, that you can be called a sarcast. So that's a new, a new noun. So some of you out there probably sarcast. Okay, good, good at it. All right. Yeah, does the Bible use it? Okay, well, yes, obviously. Most of you know that. Okay, most of you have read the text at all have thought, this sure looks like sarcasm to me, you know, as you're reading along. Uh, and so certainly, yeah, let's look at a couple of things. There in Judges 10, 14, this is God talking to Israel, you know, has gone astray, quit following him there. The whole covenant's fallen apart. You know, Judges is this huge downward spiral. You remember your survey of the Bible. They're going downward and disobeying God. So, you know, now they're being invaded by all these other people, the Amorites, the, you know, the Midianites, all these other people are invading them. So God comes, you're being invaded, and this is God. He says, well, go and cry out to the gods you've chosen. Let them save you. You know, if you're going to worship Baal and Asherah and all these others, great. Now you're invaded, let them, you know, let them save you. So it's a very sarcastic, I mean, that's the way I define sarcasm in that, kind, in that sense. Now, notice, of course, the context of some of these these are not, uh, it's a pretty serious situation that God is addressing. So it's not like this is just a nice lighthearted kind of deal. These people are, you know, on the edge of, of, of destruction here because of a willful, you know, apostasy turned away from God. And so it's a pretty serious statement that God uses their sarcasm in. Uh, 
Yeah, my favorite one, okay, Elijah, all right? Remember, the, you have the uh, Elijah, you know, he's one of the few prophets left, and everybody's turned to Baal worship. And so he challenges these prophets of Baal. You guys remember on Mount Carmel, let's have a contest. You remember the contest? And so, you know, they, they build the altars, and then the prophets of Baal are supposed to call down through Baal the fire from heaven. And Baal's the thunder cloud god. He's a god of lightning and stuff. So this, you know, this should be easy for him, you know. Uh, and so they're dancing around all morning long, the prophets of Baal, calling on Baal to bring down, you know, lightning and stuff. And so at noon, here's where we pick up in verse 27, Elijah begins to taunt them. And uh, this is, this, these, the taunts are better in Hebrew, okay? I mean, it's, it's the English, are, the translators are timid with, uh, with this. But, you know, shout louder, he starts to mock him. Surely he means Baal, surely he's a god. Perhaps he's deep in thought, and that word can mean uh, busy or just preoccupied. But this next one where he says, or busy, I don't know how to translate that. We're recording this. I have to be careful. Uh, this, this, you know, this means he's going to the bathroom. <laughs> I mean, that, maybe, he's, maybe he's on the john, you know. Maybe he's on the john. I mean, that's what Elijah says. That's if you really want to translate it, that's, that's, that's what it means. But translators are chicken to, to put that in the Bible, you know, that kind of stuff. But that's, oh, you know, your God can't come, you know, and do this. It's the morning time. He's busy, you know. It's, it's this kind of, kind of it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a funny ridicule, okay, uh, of the gods. Maybe he's sleeping or maybe he hadn't even got up yet. Okay, it's what he's saying. He's sleeping in, you know, it's Saturday or what, you know, whatever it is. Uh, and he must be awakened up. Now, keep in mind, with Elijah as well, this is funny, it's taunting. The situation's not funny. Okay, the whole nation has turned away. He's pulled all these prophets of Baal together. And we're just a few verses away from him executing all of these guys. Okay, so this taunting is not just a casual kind of thing. This is the final before he actually, you know, pulls out the sword and has all of these guys killed uh, in this situation. Okay. All right. Yeah, but we have a little more trouble with this one uh, because God now is going to come to Job. In the book of Job, you have some really good, uh, it's, I think it's a soft sarcasm, kind of a light sarcasm from God. But, you know, Job's been going on and on and questioning. He doesn't think it's fair what's happened to him. And if he could just get his day in court, remember, he says, I would present my case and I would, you know, argue with God. He really feels like he can convince God there's been some kind of mix up up there in the administration over what's happened to him. And if he could just get to the right person, he could straighten all this out. And so he questions God's justice and he questions, you know, how God runs the universe. And so all of this and he wants his day in court. Finally, chapter 38, God shows up, you know, and the lightning, you know, the storm and everything. And I. I think God starts to talk and Job kind of realized he made a big mistake <laughs> with this request. But look, God comes and he's a little sarcastic. God, is, God says, you know, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Uh, tell me if you understand who marked off its dimension. Surely you know. Uh, and what God is saying is you've questioned the way I run the universe. And he says, I don't remember you being there. <laughs> when I formed it, you know, <laughs> were you there, you know, and of course, obviously, no, I mean, the answer is obvious, okay, so God has a little, and I don't think this is just devastating 
uh, in the, any more than the storm and the cloud and, you know, and God being there in the whirlwind and all of that. But God has a, you know, God has a little chiding uh, here. But God goes on. He's not done. He goes on for several chapters with this stuff. A little later in 38, uh, what's the way to the abode of light? Where does darkness reside? Can you take them to their places? Do you know the paths to their dwellings? Surely you know, for you are already born. You've lived so many years. And so, you know, Job, you know, he, he's, he's been talking with his friends. They're smart. They're elderly guys. They're wise in the world. You know, I don't know how old they are, you know, but they're uh, getting up there. And so God says, you know, you're smart. You know it all. You've lived so long. And of course, it's a mockery of a comparison with God and what God uh, knows. OK, but again, he's pretty, you know, God's not uh, uh, he's he's in the process of restoring Job, uh, what he's doing here. But he is. He God does get a little ticked off when we question his justice. OK, I mean, he's he's very forgiving in lots of things, very easygoing. If you read through the Bible on some things and then some things just seem to he gets a little irritable. And so this justice challenges justice is one of those things. OK, anyway, so you get into the New Testament and there's lots of text, OK, that we have. I'm not trying to be exhaustive, but to just kind of run you through the canon, just different uh, places, locations. Uh, Jesus uses it as well. OK, he'll do a little sarcasm. Uh, you know, they, John chapter 10, they're coming at him. They're trying to grab him. They're going to go and stone him. And he says, I've done all these good works. Which one are you stoning me for? OK, there's a little, you know, he's been a little sarcastic, you know, for healing this guy over here or casting out demons or, you know, healing the cripple or the blind. What's 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 the charge? You know, uh, and so it's it's a little it's a little sarcastic is what he uh, uh, and it works. You know, he gets away uh, here. Paul also will use it. <clears throat> and here in Corinthians, yeah, you know, he goes on and on and on uh, with these Corinthians, you know. And again, the, the, the Corinthians have challenged his, uh, uh, his authority as an apostle. And, you know, they're splitting up into different groups and following, you know, church is splintering there. Paul is just beside himself over that. And they're following other uh, individuals and so, and not really listening to Paul. And so, you know, he's, he's, he's talking to them. You, you guys have already become rich. You've become kings even without us, you know. Uh, and then he, you know, he comments, I wish you really had been kings. We might be kings with you. Uh, and he goes on here, you know, we've, we've been made a spectacle of the whole universe. We're fools for Christ, but you're wise. So this is Paul the Apostle talking to the Corinthians, you know. Uh, we're weak, but you're strong. You know, you're honored, but we're dishonored. And so Paul is painting this contrast, and he is being very sarcastic. And how he is doing this now. Again, in 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 Paul's situation, he's got a he's he's pretty irritated with them, uh, and he's got a pretty serious situation that he's trying that he's trying to correct. Uh, and so, well, what we see in these in these different situations is yeah, the, the Bible uses it. characters in the in the Bible use it different situations. Uh, uh, the, the, the prophets use it to criticize the, uh, the false gods. We saw that uh, likewise in Judges. Uh, when people turn away from God, God uses sarcasm. He uses a little bit when he's, uh, when he's chiding Job. Paul is using it when he's engaging with the, with the Corinthians and trying to straighten them out and bring them, and bring them back. Okay, and so uh, then we come to, well, if the Bible uses it, then... Can we use it? You know, and, you know, and, and, and I would say yes and no. 
Mostly no, okay? Uh, because we're, we, we're going to work. You know, you can't just assume because God uses something that you can use. You know, he uses lightning too, you know, and things, <laughs> things like this. It doesn't, it doesn't mean you can do that. You know, when you can walk out on the water, then maybe you can do some of that other stuff, you know, feel like, go ahead. But right now, since we can't realize it's not just, you know, we're on the same level as he is. That's Job's problem, okay? So keep that in mind. It, it's a powerful literary tool, okay, I think, that can be used, I think, sometimes appropriately, but most of the time not. Uh, and like any other verbal uh, literary tool, I think we have to filter it through the guidelines that Scripture gives us. And that's what you guys have been dealing with all week long, you know. Uh, and so, to me, let's kind of walk through the, some of these parameters and say, well, what are our parameters both for speech, that's the most thing, but also for literary stuff, whether you're writing uh, things formally, you know, for, uh, or if you're doing, you know, Twitter, Facebook, all of the other stuff as well. So a couple of obvious questions. Uh, so determine, is it okay to use sarcasm in, your, uh, in what you're doing? Question one, of course, does it help to edify people or the church? You know, are you building up or tearing down? with this. Uh, and that's a, that clears up a lot of it, okay? Clears up a lot of it. That you saw in some of the opening definitions that often sarcasm is, uh, is meant to belittle. That's the point of it. It's to criticize, uh, to, to, to mock, but also to, to, to belittle. And as such, it almost always has a negative effect on the, on the audience of who you're talking to. I mean, sarcasm, there's, you can correct people and they just feel corrected. But if you correct them with sarcasm, then they feel belittled, you know, and their whole self-esteem, everything, the, the way they feel that you feel about them, all of that decreases and is damaged. So it doesn't mean there's not a time to correct someone. But sarcasm can really, really be damaging in the correction process, okay? So I would say, you know, uh, ask that question. Does it edify? And then again, you know, the text you guys have been dealing with in Ephesians uh, all the way through the week, you know, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. You know, as Carter said, the garbage dump smelling talk, okay, is this word for unwholesome. Uh, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs, uh, not necessarily your, what you think their needs are, okay, but according to what they really, what they really need. And we're going to pick that up in a minute. That's one of the problems uh, is uh, uh, how well do you handle sarcasm? Doesn't mean everybody handles it like that. And so that's, that's something to keep in mind. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> notice the connection, verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you're sealed. If I'm, if I'm cutting you to pieces with my sarcasm and God resides in me and he resides in you both, then he's just crying. Okay, I mean, that's what he's talking about. That there is this, that the Holy Spirit is in you and it's in me to pull us together, to unify us together. That's where Paul's hammering in Ephesians. It's just, we are unified by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is happy when we're pulled together and grieved when we're being ripped apart and talking unkindly, saying unkind things is just what 
pulls, rips apart. And so that's why he's got this Holy Spirit verse right in the middle of all this don't talk bad to each other uh, text, okay? Both before it and afterwards. 31, you know, get rid of all of this bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, forms of malice, and be kind and compassionate. Uh, and so again, that's, you're getting ready to use sarcasm. Is it kind? Is it compassionate? Not very often. Okay. Usually, it's, uh, usually it doesn't fall into that. Okay, a couple other things also. What Proverbs does, of course, is, you know, there's a bunch of Proverbs on wise speaking, how to speak, how not to speak. And so the second one, a wise man's heart guides his mouth and his lips promote instruction. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, healing to the bones. Uh, this, this, in Proverbs, it's part of wisdom. It's part of being wise. And I think Paul does this too. It's part of Christian maturity is to not speak in a way that hurts people and belittles people. Uh, and if, if you want to grow in Christ and you want to mature in Christ, and I think all of you do, that's why you're here. But that's one of the things you just got to get under control, okay? Is you cannot, you cannot say I'm a mature believer in Christ and habitually say things that hurt people. You just cannot. It's, not a, it's, it's, an, immature, it's an immature kind of thing. Uh, personally, my own personal uh, pilgrimage here, and I'm looking around. Donna said she might come. She's not here. Okay, so I'm not held to the truth here. <laughs> anyway, but no, I, it is, for me, it's an area that if I look back over my life and I say, where have I really improved, you know? What have I grown in? You'd like to think you're growing and maturing. I think this is one of the areas. I'm not near as sarcastic as I used to be. Okay, and I'm still, still use it. It's fun. It's got you know. But I will get. But not as much. And I think that's a growing up feature. That's growing in the Lord, growing. And it's a realization for me. It was a realization that it hurts people. And uh, and we'll mention this again. You know, I've, I've got thick skin. I grew up in a family with thick skin. We play rough, talk rough. I mean, verbally, you know. Uh, everybody loves everybody, but we fine. We can talk. But, but Donna's family's not like that. And a lot of families are not like that. A lot of people are not like that. And I was probably in my mid-20s before I realized that I'm going through life just leaving some, this wake behind me of hurt people, you know, that I have damaged. And I've assumed since that doesn't hurt me, it shouldn't hurt them. But that's not true, okay? Fortunately, my wife started pointing this out to me, you know. Did you realize what you did to that? You know, did you realize what? So, so that's, it's a, it, is a, it is a part of the maturing process. So kind of put that on your agenda of things to work on as you are trying to mature uh, in the Lord. Another question asked, why am I using it? Okay, before you use it, what's the point of this? Okay, why, 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 why am I doing it? If you're ridiculing, hurting, belittling, mocking, then it's wrong, it's always wrong. It's the opposite of encouragement and affirmation most of the time. And this affirmation is an important thing. You know, again, Paul uses that term to build up, to edify. And so sarcasm's not only not edifying, it's not neutral. It's the other direction. It's the tearing down. That's the point of it. Uh, so almost always, if you ask why, you find out it is the, 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 the motives, the reasons are usually wrong. Okay, all right, now sarcasm is particularly damaging in the following relationships, okay, especially in some context. Number one, in marriage, okay. All right, you engaged, 
<clears throat> how many of you are married or engaged? Raise your hands. Okay, I know there's quite a few in here. Okay, I recognize you guys. All right. All right, you married and engaged, nearly married folks? Absolutely. Here's the law. Absolutely, positively, get rid of sarcasm. Get rid of it. Okay, get rid of it. They told us that when I was doing, going through our marriage counseling uh, back before Don and I got married. One of the best things I got out of those marriage counseling sessions. Just get rid of it because it is counterproductive. It will damage, it damages the marriage relationship if you're using sarcastic kinds of language towards each other because it belittles and doesn't affirm. And it's, it's one of the critical things you want to do in that marriage is to reaffirm and build up each other. That's one of the things you need the most from your mate is to be reaffirmed and to be built up. And sarcasm goes the other direction. So especially there, just bite your tongue, okay, and learn to be complimentary and cut sarcasm out. Number two, of course, children. Again, down the road, you know, you're raising kids. They, if your parents, they need to be reaffirmed. They don't need sarcastic stuff. And those of you that have sarcastic parents, you felt that, you know, you know what that, how that hurts, okay? And so just put it in, you're not gonna do that. Uh, number three, f- friends. And again, uh, I would qualify that in that, uh, you need to know which of your friends can handle it and which, which can't, okay? I mean, I will confess, I'm a lot more sarcastic if I'm hanging out with Duvall and Carter and, you know, Eubanks, you know, we're just cutting up. And, you know, you know, those guys got me. They got thick skin. We know each other well. And so we can, we can be a little sarcastic. And, you know, even there you can overstep the bounds. Okay. Over, even there you can be damaging and hurting. But I cannot take that same kind of sarcastic freedom that I have with my best friends and carry it over into any other friendship, relationship of other friends. And so it can be just very, very, very damaging in lots of places. So you need to be careful uh, with how you use it around your friends. Uh, Some of your friends can probably deal with it. Still better not to, probably. Uh, But for your broader circle, you got to realize you can really hurt, you can hurt your friends with the way you do sarcasm. Uh, Number four, uh, in, in, in ministry, just don't use it. Okay, it's because you don't know who all, I mean, the people are, you have a broad range of people that you're dealing with in ministry. If you're speaking from the pulpit or if you're speaking, there's a lot of people there that you are going to damage, that you are going to hurt. And uh, they don't, you know, they don't have thick skin. They get damaged. uh, So be be careful with how you use it. Don't, uh, don't, people that work with you in a church, all of those, I think it's very, very, very dangerous. Uh, If you need to reprove or correct someone, you'd say, you know, sure, the Bible calls on us to do that, but but don't do it without the sarcasm. Find an easier, find an easier way to do that, okay? All right, so, so when, why don't we do it? What's the problem? Really, I think I thought about it. I thought, why do I, why, why, why do we keep using it when we know it's damaging? I would say number one, it's funny, okay. And we somehow think if we can be funny, it's all right, and we will sacrifice lots of things to be funny, for the sake of being funny. Sarcasm's easy to be funny. It's an easy, it's an easy humor, uh, and uh, and so uh, you know that's that keeps us going. The other one is it becomes a habit. We picked this up in junior high school. Some of you started in the fifth grade, okay? You were early bloomers. 
but somewhere along that line, you learn that the sarcasm, how to pick it up, and then you can be funny. In junior high, you really blossom. By the time you're in high school, you can really go. Now you got to college, and you're even better, okay? Quicker, you know, wittier, you got a broader range. You've been educated, you know. Uh, and so, but it just becomes a habit. Uh, and you talk that way all the time. You lapse right into it. That's your, that's your normal bantering. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, but the, the, the junior high stuff and the, and the marriage, when you're in junior high at first, that's the only way you know how to flirt. <laughs> right? I mean, you're a little sarcastic. You're criticizing each other. You're making fun of it. That's, that's the only thing you know. So it works, you know. And they, so you have this. And then suddenly you're in high school doing the same thing. I hope you're not doing that now. Okay? Still using sarcastic stuff with, the, you know, with the, with, the, with, the, with the flirt. Okay? To go, you go into a dating context and you're trading insults, you know. Uh, <laughs> You guys are laughing, but that's true. So, and you carry that right over into marriage. No, get rid of that, okay? Grow up. You're not in junior high anymore. Uh, and, you know, be complimentary. Be nice. Build the other one up. That's the huge part of the goal of a relationship, okay? Uh, all right. So another reason for sarcasm. You're just indifferent. Now, this is a little scary, okay? That's a little scary. If you're trying to follow the Lord and seek the Lord and serve the Lord, Boy, you have got to be concerned about people and your impact on them for good. So sometimes I think it's just indifference or you just get a little lazy uh, or you don't. You may, you, maybe you don't realize you're hurting people. But let me tell you, you are. OK. And you, and you have to realize that. So take responsibility, you know, for what you say and what you tweet. You know, Twitter just fits. You know, sarcasm is just easy. Because it's a little one, you know, it fits right in the number of characters. You can tweet all kinds of sarcastic uh, things. Uh, Church curmudgeon, you guys follow him on Twitter? Okay, that is the funniest guy. <laughs> it's, it's, and it, sarcasm is about 90% of what he's doing, okay? Uh, and uh, in, that, in that sense, though, it is, the church curmudgeon's a little bit of a self-critique, okay? He is from inside the church, He's laughing at us, you know, as a church. I mean, it's, a, it's an introspective kind of, we need, you know, we, we got some things that should be made fun of as far as how we're, how we're doing things. And so it's sometimes I, I see, you know, sarcasm okay if, it's, if there's a little bit of in, introspective, if it's kind of a self kind of thing. I mean, I, in that sense, I could say, all right, I, I, think, I, I think I can see it. Uh, but... Uh, but the but you know on it is it is contagious and infectious. If you got friends that are sarcastic, it's hard for you to break that habit. Uh, if it's in a marriage and you're both doing it, it's a little easier. You need to sit down and tell each other we're going to quit doing this, okay? And uh, try to build each other up because it does. It is contagious. People, I wish we could quarantine those, you know, who did it. But no, we really laugh at them and kind of elevate them. And if you're clever and witty and sarcastic. You know, everybody likes your tweets get retweeted a lot if you're really funny on your sarcasm. Uh, so, uh, so anyway, uh, at the end, you know, a couple, I was thinking, you know, the, the, the top one word sarcastic statements, duh, is right at the top. I, don't, I mean, I like that. Well, duh, kind of making fun of somebody does something dumb, you know. Uh, 
girls like to say fine. <laughs> they don't mean fine at all. That's the end of the deal. You're arguing about something. Well, well fine. <laughs> anyway, uh, and we say, you know, great. We don't mean great, you know, at all. It's just, and so there's a list. You guys could add, you know, what are your, what are your, what do you use? What are your terms and the whole thing? So anyway, all right. Uh, so summary, you know, just what are we saying? Yeah, it shows up in the Bible, but in specific situations, and usually there's a reason for it, uh, and almost never do we have the same reasons, okay, for what we're trying to do. So I would say, you know, 98% of the time, there's no need for it. Uh, and particularly in those situations, those relationships, in your marriage with your friends, uh, uh, if you're raising kids, you've just got to get rid of it. If you're if times when you might could use it, I think if you're using it of yourself, if you're speaking, you're trying to be funny, you direct it, or it's totally neutral. It's not putting anybody down. You're laughing at a situation uh, and you're making fun of a you know, situation. You're in the airport, you know, and all the flights are canceled and things are bad. And, you know, the only way you can keep your sanity is to be a little funny, use a little sarcasm. I mean, I don't see that as, you know, I don't care if you hurt the airport, you know, criticize. So in, in those kinds of settings, I don't see anything wrong with it. Just don't make that become a habit to where you do that when you use, when you run into using against people. Okay. Uh, the other pages, I'm not going to read through those. I just pulled these off of the internet real quickly. Uh, and again, not all of this is really sarcasm by the tight, tight definition, but, uh, you can look through those, some of those. Uh, anyway, all right, so let's questions. What do you guys got? Uh, time of, let's type question and answer on about this or anything related or comments you'd like to make. Yes? So what situation do you think sarcasm would be appropriate? Speak louder, Kyle. What situation do you think sarcasm, in what situation do you think sarcasm would be yeah, I, I, it's as a literary tool, I think when you can use it to be funny without belittling people. And, I th you know, there are times when you can do, like I said, we're all laughing at the airport or something, something that's neutral, that's outside. It's not, I'm not, it's not directed at somebody. Uh, and so are there times when you can do that? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think you can use it in that sense. Uh, I think you can use it of yourself. Uh, well, you know, the title of the paper, the best lecture ever, okay. Well, yeah, well that's just a, you know, it's a joke. Uh, and so sarcastic stuff like, that doesn't put down anybody but me, you know. Uh, and so in that sense, you know, to break ice, well, you know, I think things like that are okay. So, and I think there are those contexts when it's, when it's okay to use it, just as, as a literary tool. You just, you just need to be careful that you're not using it when it's hurting someone. And then the danger is that maybe you don't think it's hurting someone, and it is. That's, that's, that's the challenge. That's the problem. Yeah, good. Yes? Uh, Dr. Mays, um, is it, do you think it's okay for a professor to use sarcasm for the student before they play that student for the rack <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, one of, the, one of the categories I had over here was the ridiculousness of the situation. <laughs> Makes it appropriate. Sometimes it's just too tempting, you know. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> no, but, you know, uh, to take that question seriously, <clears throat> uh, 
it, it, is, it is a problem for faculty members the same as students. And uh, uh, I have mentioned it to even among our faculty to say, let's pay attention to this, okay? Uh, uh, things on Twitter and stuff. I mean, you realize everybody reads this, you know? If you say something that's criticizing students and you post it on Twitter, well, you know, that, that's counterproductive. That's not what we're trying to do. It's a, it's a, it's a backwards kind of thing. So, so anyway, so now some of this with <coughs> Colby Harper <coughs> is into that category too, is who are you dealing with? <laughs> you know, as far as your, as far as your friends and, and who's got dig scan and stuff like this. And so when you got someone who, you know, who shovels it out, as, <laughs> as much, and so, you know, it's fair. I mean, he can, he can tease me and I can tease him and we can go back and forth. Okay, and I, I don't think anybody's hurt by that, but I cannot deal with some of the rest of you like that. Okay, if I dealt with some of you like I deal with Kobe, even like now where I'm picking him out and singling him out, some of you'd be crying, you know, by now. And so, I mean, we have to be careful. You have to be aware of that, okay? And occasionally, if you get too familiar, you overstep the bounds to where you're even hurting someone that you think is not, you know. So that's, you have to be, have to be careful on that. Uh, yeah, uh, Josh. Uh, we, uh, in these verses that we see God use, like you said, do you think that especially in, in light of people that may be opposing uh, you or the gospel or Christ, do you think that that is okay to use like in the yeah, I thought, I thought about that, uh, kind of anticipating the question. It's a good question. I, I, don't, I don't see how it would ever help. I mean, I, I tried to think through a scenario. Uh, is, is, uh, I, I, you, only, you know, if you're trying to uh, lead people to the Lord, you never want to, even if you're engaging in, in an apologetics discussion, you never want to, belittle them or put them down. I mean, that, that, that just makes it impossible. That makes things worse. So I, I don't see that setting as ever. Now, if you're in a, uh, if you're in a real hostile environment, you know, and things like that, and you, and you are trying to criticize, you know, say you're in a hostile country or thing, even then, I, I, just, I just don't see how it would help. I mean, I don't see situations like that where, where it would help. Uh, the deal with Job, where he comes, uh, I'm not, you know, it, it's, a, it's, a fanta- it's, a, it's a fascinating passage. Uh, I, I think it gives us a little insight. I mean, God, is, he's got a sense of humor, you know, and I think he's trying to share some of that. Uh, I think the, the difference in us and him is just so vast, and Job has spoken up so much. It's just, he just can't hardly not take advantage of the point out the gap. It's hard to not point out the gap without being funny on that. So I think that's a very unique situation that certainly that we wouldn't run into, but I, I, just, I can't see it as, as, as helping if you're, if you're, you know, someone who's hostile or someone who's wrong or someone's done some terrible things to Christians and you're trying to rebuttal that and to point that out. Uh, uh, and in that sense, you may be trying to judge them rather than pronounce that judgment. 
in that situation. But even then, there's, there's better ways to do that than with, you know, than with, than with sarcasm. I, I tried to think of some examples that it might be, and I, I, I couldn't come up with any in that category. Yeah. Good question. Yeah. Sadie? Um, aside from laziness and the things that you have under humor and habit, do you think that there are some other subtle things that sarcasm reveals about someone's character, like negativity or, I don't know, lack of confidence in themselves, maybe? Yeah, yeah, certainly. Uh, all of that, I mean, it's complicated. Why do we do things? You know, why do we continue to do things that we think, what we know are probably not good to do? Uh, yeah, being naive, you don't realize that it's hurting others. Uh, the insecurity, that's back to learning to flirt in the junior high kind of, kind of thing. Oh, you've, you've grown comfortable with that kind of dialogue and in bantering. That's the way that you do it. And you are insecure with doing something else. Uh, most of you guys, anyway, and I was certainly this way at your age, we're not very comfortable at saying something nice to the girls. Just don't I mean, just come right out and say, you know, you look nice, you look cute, you're smart, you did. I mean, these kinds of things. It's just awkward because we didn't do that in junior high, you know. Uh, and so there are some insecurities that you fall back behind that safety of the sarcasm and other kinds of put down kind of stuff. So yeah, I would say it is, certainly it's a little oversimplistic, the reasons that I gave. I'm sure it's more complex than that. Uh, and you know, if you've grown up with it, if your parents were that way and your friends and your house and your whole family, I mean, then just to say it's a habit is a bigger, it's a bigger thing. It's something you didn't necessarily pick up in junior high. You've just had it there all your life. So in that sense, you are reorienting a lot of the way that you're thinking, reacting, you know, and dialoguing with people. But, uh, but that's true of things in general, how we talk with folks. Are we encouraging uplift, not just sarcasm, but everything else? Are we encouraging and uplifting or are we, are we harsh and are we hard on people? And a lot of that is related to how did you grow up? Uh, and so, but, you know, through the power of Christ and the spirit that dwells within you, you know, we're challenged to be different and to break out, and we've got all these wonderful models in the scripture to be positive, we've got the power of the spirit to fall on, and, uh, and to change, you know, and to consciously say, I'm gonna be nicer, I'm gonna speak nicer. Uh, you know, in our own, in my marriage with, uh, with Donna, uh, you know, <clears throat> I, get, I get nicer as I get older, as far as what I say, you know, we're mushy and, you know, sweet and stuff, and it's, and, it, and it's, you know, if I'm that way, she's that way, if she's that way, I'm that way. It grows, it gets bigger and better and better, you know, and it's, it's corny and it's goofy and I don't really want you guys to hear all this stuff, but, <laughs> but it, you know, you can cycle in that direction, okay? It's a good direction to cycle, or you can cycle the other way as well, and it's, and it's devastating in the other direction. So it is one of those things that uh, you can change and you can improve things when you're conscious and work, and work at it. Uh, in that area. Yeah. Uh, if we know someone who's like being more sarcastic and we can see that kind of what's the best way to do that person? Yeah, good question. What do you do if your friends are yeah, you know, friends a lot of that depends on how close you are. You know, what can you what can you say? For me, I think uh, I remember very, very clearly uh, I was co teaching a Sunday school class. I was in seminary uh, with a, a young woman and uh, this is when I was just starting to date Donna. And uh, we had had a something kind of meeting or something. And I had really been pretty tacky to this co-teacher, uh, you know. And, uh, and Donna just kind of said, you know, you really hurt her. And I said, what? You know, I, mean, I had no idea. It never crossed my mind that I had 
She said, no, look at the situation. She said, you said such and such. And I looked at her and she just wilted. Honestly, I could just see her wilting in the chair there because of what she said. Well, for me, that was a that was an important moment. I mean, it was uh, and I still remember it very clearly. So I'm thankful for that. You know, I'm thankful. I had no, I had no idea that uh, that. And then I began to realize I've done that to lots of people. Uh, and so from that one, I had that helped me. So I would say, depending on who you have, you know, who your friend, how can you approach them? But just to point out to them, you know, I think you hurt that person with that sarcasm. I mean, it's, it's okay to be funny sometimes, but sometimes you hurt people with what you say. And I, from your friends, sometimes you can take that. I mean, I, I think that's a, helpful, that's a helpful thing. You know, and it can turn, you know, we're all hypocritical if we say that. I mean, I'm hypocritical lecturing you guys on sarcasm because, you know, we're all, you know, it's not like any of us have gotten rid of that completely. So, you know, you'll run into that risk, but I think it's worth, worth it to point it out. Yeah. Um, Megan. My question is just along the lines of do you think sometimes we sarcasm can be good to point out someone's ignorance, not necessarily to belittle them, but because sometimes people can be blinded so much by like yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can is it okay? Let's think of an example. You know, you got a friend that's really prejudiced or racist or something, and you want to use sarcasm to underscore that. Uh, uh, Archie Bunker, All in a Family TV program. That's exactly what they were doing uh, to America. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> I would say if there's a time, I mean, there are some times where a rebuke, a strong rebuke is appropriate. But still, you have to be careful that with the belittling end of it. But I, but I think in some cases like that m- might be, you know, might be one area where you might could do it to, to, to poke fun at that. You're really loving and that what you said, you know, tell them that, something like that. You're really caring for lots of people, aren't you? It's a sarcastic kind of statement, but it might be really making its point uh, in those contexts. So, yeah, I don't know, you know, just this is what it seems to me. Yeah, another one more question or so. You guys, these are great questions. Might have to end on that one. <laughs> okay. And that's all for this week's episode of the Washita Chapel podcast. You can find many of Dr. Hayes' books online, and we'll share a link to his author page on our social media accounts, which you can find as at OBUCM on Instagram and Twitter and OBU Campus Ministries on Facebook. Thanks again to Noah James for permission to use his music and to Dr. Hayes for permission to share this lecture. Keep your eyes on Jesus, and we'll be back again next week.